0: I've built this business up, my baby, you know. That doesn't necessarily mean you've got the skill set to run the business you've created. If You think you've got a good idea, you've got to believe in it fully. Give up our health to build our wealth and then end up spending most of our wealth to get back our health. I can't switch off and that's a downside. Massive downside and I need to learn to do that. But I haven't got the systems in place. I haven't got the disciplines in place.
1: Welcome again to Success As A System. I'm Mike Green, this is my great friend, Jonathan James. Uh, I've known JJ, what, 20 years? Good to see you again, (laughs) 20 years. We've shared boards together, um, and we've we've traveled together, actually, spoken at conferences here America, Australia, Um, and uh, different parts of Europe, Uh, but I know you're going to enjoy some of the wisdom that uh, JJ can share. Uh, He's built a lot of varied business within the James Graven Group, Um, uh, but we'll get straight in JJ. Tell me about your first forays into business. When did it all start? Morning. Morning. Well, uh, well, it
0: started at a very young age, age of eight. I could see an opportunity when I was at um, junior school. Myself and my friend Wayne Timmons we could see as, as, the, as, the, as the, the children were making a transition from pencil to ink pen, some of the children couldn't afford the ink pens. So um, I saw an opportunity, bought some ink pens, rented them out at 10 pence a week, <laughs> got a good deal as long as they bought the cartridges through me as well for the ink. And uh, bought, I've had, Wayne was the money man, so he was credit control, um, 10p a week, obviously added up, saw lots of 10 uh, and we just kept plowing it back in. I think at one point we had something like 100 ink pens all out on the. So how did you work your top.
1: pricing out back then? You know, what, 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 what kind of margin were you on? It's
0: good oh, well, uh, yeah, we well, just bought the ink pen and basically just, just worked, worked it off over six months. So it it was a very, very profitable little business. Yeah, and I've just got pockets full of 10 Fantastic.
1: And where, where do you think that comes from? Because one of the things I say is we can learn entrepreneurism. We can certainly learn business. But I think there's businessmen and there's entrepreneurs. And entrepreneurs tend to be very much broader in their ability to see opportunity in everything. And and actually, one of the best things about entrepreneurs is they see opportunity in everything. One of the worst things about entrepreneurs is they see opportunity in everything. Okay. So keeping them focused yeah. on a business once they got a business idea because they get easily seduced into different things. But um, so clearly entrepreneurs, I think, are born or as opposed to made. Yeah. Uh, and that started at a really young age for you. But where's that come from, do you think?
0: I think? My father's self-employed farmer. Um, my, my grandfather, my grandfather Josh, he was a he was a horse dealer and farmer. So he was very flamboyant and and it was, it was ducking and diving all the time. Yeah, and yeah. I think it all just came from that from the early age.
1: And uh, and where next then after the pens? What any any other business? Uh, um,
0: well, not, yeah, I suppose I was always interested in business. But then what happened is I, uh, my parents wanted me to have a steady job, and to, uh, and I ended up working for a high street high street bank. And at that point, I was getting extremely frustrated by the fact that the wages were pretty poor. Again, I could see an opportunity, I've got massive massive footfall coming into the bank. Um, So uh, I thought there's an opportunity there, so I started taking in fruit and veg from the farm. Um, (laughs) And selling it over the counter. (laughs) Selling it over the counter, built up quite a lucrative business. In fact, one of the managers once pulled me aside and said this morning, we had more people in the bank and all for your fruit and veg than we did for the banking (laughs) services. Um, and that came to a grinding halt when the um, one of the bank inspectors came in on a Monday, went straight to the the vault, if you like, um, <laughs> and that was the best place to keep lettuce, uh, cucumber, and tomatoes. It's the coolest place in the bank. Um, and he, the light, he didn't turn the light on and went straight over two trays of iceberg. So. We, we didn't get a very good report. So you, um, did you lose your job at that point? I was asked to leave. Okay. Uh, so, so I didn't lose my job, but I was asked to leave. But the good thing is, um, my father, we got a farm. We, 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 we were looking to diversify because the farming was pretty tough. Um, so I said to the people who would support me at the bank, where the farm was, was not that far away, just gave out little flyers and said, you not want to still keep in touch. <laughs> While you're working, you notice. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I moved some of the bank customers to the farm shop on the farm. So it, it, it worked very, very well.
1: And so, and uh, obviously, you and I met through retail, and, and we'll get into that a, a bit more. And uh, both shared a big, a big passion for that. But was that your first step into retail, and how did it evolve from there? Yeah, the, the farm shop was. The farm shop
0: definitely was. It was something that we needed to do because the farm itself wasn't generating an, enough income. Um, so myself and my father looked at, so we started growing the stuff and thinking, oh, what, now we're growing it, where do we sell it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the farm shop was a natural nat- natural um, sort of progression from that, really. We had an old redundant shed, put some concrete down, made some frames up and, and started yeah, selling yeah, pretty yeah.
1: much. So, I mean, one of the uh, American themes that I used to be aware of a lot in my early career was what's your est? Are you the cheapest, the fastest, the uh, best uh, quality, the best? Uh, range or biggest and so on what's your est uh, and one of the things I'm conscious of is all the different businesses I've seen you do you you strive to be the best or to like push the frontiers of, of norms if you like and we first met when I came across to your store at um, near Ely uh, and it was an industry icon at the time because you had put in different type of voice activated conversation between the staff uh, and you just it was a petrol station but suddenly it was like a, a Marks and Spencer Simply Food or something but mm. what where does the drive to to not just trade but to trade at that high level come from or where, where, you, where did you learn that? I think? That point
0: of difference you could see you needed a point of difference I suppose even going back to the bank I could see that that we, we could offer a point of difference to others yes. it, it, there was always a and I, and I think that's so important. There's so many options for people to choose from. So what makes you the best for those to want to come to you? Now, as yeah, yeah. we talk a bit later on, you'll see I do a lot with, within the community, community work. What makes people come to me? Well, perhaps I'm doing the community. It was always what makes people want yeah. to turn right to come to my stores instead of left. And if you could be ahead of the game, one of my favourite sayings I often say to people is an old Eskimo saying, if you're not the lead dog, the view never changes. <laughs> um, uh, if, if you If you... You constantly need to be ahead of the game yeah, and let yeah. people, I love people catching up. That The, the store you were talking about, I remember the day we opened, within an hour, we got um, four, the four major multiples, their area managers came in and said what we are doing. Within an hour yeah, of it yeah. opening, they came in very politely, introduced themselves, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm an independent retailer, and now I've got the country's largest retailers, come to see what I'm doing. Yeah,
1: so, and weird. when we met, you'd gone from being a, a farmer and trader, if you like, a farm shop, yeah. and then you'd met, Rebecca and you and Rebecca together built, I think, four or five petrol station shops at the time. That one was a, a kind of industry-leading one that that got us connected, got you on the uh, on the ACS, the Association of Convenience Stores, which we both shared board roles at and shared uh, at various points for a long time. But since then, I've seen you grow from that up to over a hundred stores, uh, and then looking at different strategies and different parts of that how many, how many what different businesses do you have now so
0: i've got a construction development business i've got a um farming business because i live on live on the farm but we also got 100 acres we, we grow um we grass basically sort all of down to grass but we supply hay to, to to local um stables particularly newmarket nearby um i've got the retail business i've got a property business and i've got a finance and investments business which is going to hopefully be um, producing sort of investments into, into properties. So quite, so, a, quite a few so businesses.
1: Va- varied business, multiple business, still tens of shops, if you like. Yep. Uh, you're here with me though, you've got time to be here with me. You've spent time in other countries and you're always quite relaxed. How do you, how, what's your system, if you like, for managing multiple businesses without having to kind of run around like a head, headless chicken? I
0: think when we went from one shop to two shops that's the biggest step and I often say that to retailers going from one to two is is the big leap because you've gone from running the whole thing being in control of the whole thing to actually trusting other people to, to, to and, run it and
1: that doesn't have to be just be shops that could be whether Any it's you're, you're a plumber and you, you employ another one or uh, you, you're a kitchen fitter but you decide to go into selling kitchens it's just that variety but you went on and on and on I mean what what challenges did that create for you and how did you overcome them in terms of managing that complexity and scale? So,
0: hands
1: up, I, I, I wanted to
0: be in control of it. As I grew, the business grew, I didn't grow the team quick enough. Right. So that was the first lesson. At the age of 32, the story we are on about, I was cut off thinking I was having a heart attack. Uh, massive, <laughs> okay. massive, massive problems with... with um, Breathing, my chest felt like somebody's ratcheting it. What was that, anxiety? Um, yeah, stress. Yeah. Because what was happening with the petrol station, we were open 6 in the morning till 11 at night. I didn't trust anybody with the keys, so I opened at 6 and shut at 11, yeah. seven yeah. days a week. Most I was getting was five hours kept in the middle. I just couldn't do it. I exactly. it.
1: And how old were you then, 30? I'd be 32. 32, yeah. No, I mean, interestingly enough, because similarly, I... Um, around that age i went gray i had ulcers you know because one of the issues with entrepreneurs or businessmen is they or business people not women men men and women but is that we throw ourselves into it we're fully on it but we don't look after ourselves, and what's yeah. the saying? We we often uh, give up our health to build our wealth, and then end up spending most of our wealth to get back our our health. Our health. Yeah. Um, and it is a challenge. Over seventy percent of entrepreneurs suffer with at least one bout of mental illness, whether that's you know something as uh, you know starting off with um, a- anxiety and building up into bigger issues. So, you know, how do you? get that balance that enables you to to have fun go have a laugh we have a lot of laugh together when we when we catch up and just yeah, yeah. let go if you like and forget the business for a bit how do you switch off
0: um, i probably answer that as a don't. I don't I I tend to divert my attention, but I'm constantly right. thinking, even when I go about, I, I can't switch off. And that's a downside, massive downside. <clears throat> and I need to learn to do that because otherwise you're constantly thinking about what you'll be having, a, somebody be telling you about what's happened in their, in their family life and I'm sort of screen freeze, you know, because yeah. my mind's, lost, I'm listening to them, but my mind's gone off somewhere else. So, so that, that's difficult. So what, what I tend to do now is I, I would like to go away if I can because that physically removes me move me from it. I'm, I'm incredibly lucky. I've got a great team. So yeah. that was one of the key things I did when I realised I couldn't do it too much because the health was going to suffer. Right, build up a good team uh, a good team around you.
1: And was it hard to let go, that, that trust? Um, because one, of the, yeah. one I'm into a lot of businesses and one of the things I see is they still say, oh, I have to go in every day and check. And I say, well, do you have to go in every day? Or do you like to go in every day and check? Because they're two different things. So that, that transition to say, you know, maybe someone else doing it 90%, but me being free a bit, is probably better than me doing 24 hours a day at 100% and killing myself. I mean, how, how, how do you find that yeah. stepping away? I also think, Trey, I do hate the term
0: entrepreneur, but ultimately that's what I am. I do hate that term, but as an entrepreneur, you have to get to a point when you realise because we're entrepreneurs, we're going out looking for all those new opportunities. I don't. That doesn't necessarily mean you've got the skill set to run the business you've created. Yeah. And a lot of entrepreneurs, you see that. So they think, well, I built this business up; it's my baby. You know, get you know, don't copy my homework. And off they go, and they're building up this business. But actually, all hell's breaking loose behind them. I, I, I use, I often use the analogy as like a coal miner. I'm chipping away at the rock face. My, 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 my father's side, but we were coal miners, chipping away at the rock face. Um, but you need the pit props behind you, because if the pit props aren't behind you, everything's going to come crashing down. Yeah, yeah. So I was going out, oh, we need more business, we need... A... But I hadn't got the systems in place, I hadn't got the disciplines in place. So, for example, round the petrol yeah. stations, if you're not on it, people realise you're not on it, drive-offs, big problem. People come in, fill up, because I hadn't got the system in place to either record them, or I hadn't got CCTV, or we, haven't, we, weren't, we, we, we weren't really concentrate on it. You know, cashew would come in and so... Forty-two pounds just disappeared off bump four. Oh right, never don't mind you. Know, we, 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 don't 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 worry. We I mean, got time to worry about that. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So somebody comes. Well, go in there. it's all right, easy touch. Don't even get the police to turn up. So you needed the processes in place. Systems being exactly it, exactly. Be. So I, I think <clears throat> the entrepreneur should absolutely realise that your skill set is to go out and grab that business. It's not necessarily to run the business you created. Yeah. And I've got a good team that do run the business I've created because you might need a corporate structure, you might need structures in place, you might need great accountants, great people behind the scenes. But all those people are doing that work that basically props up the, the, yeah. the stuff yeah. we're grabbing. But you must, you must absolutely must recognise the point. You think, actually, I've created a monster yeah. I now need the team behind you me to, to prop it up.
1: And, and one of the things you said there that, that, that also came across was you talked about skill set.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and one of the things I'm often asked a lot is skill set or mindset, what's the most important?
0: Mindset. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, if you thought, had to I've have, have got a ratio, done. what would what would you put it at? Oh,
0: uh, yeah, but what skills have I got? I, I, I've got... Uh, a skill I have got, you've got exactly the same skill because we've done it a lot. Is I can communicate. Yeah, so I was yeah. doing one of these psychometric tests once, and, and the person taking it said, "I've never seen a communicator like this. Is the highest communication? Re-. Absolutely naff at everything else. You <laughs> DIY you can't can't do it. Can't I can't I'm horrific. I can't do anything like that. No, so no, my no. my skills are in communicating, and I, I'm, I'm quite a good communicator. Lots of other stuff I can't do. Right, right. Um, so. So my mindset is very much driven, and I think that came probably came from a father. In that you, you, you've got to achieve something today. Every day you've got to achieve something. You, you, you wake up, you go to work, you work hard, and and you reap the rewards. Yeah, yeah. So that he was driving, He's very still. You know, I had a conversation over here this morning. And said, what, what are you up to today? He, he wants to know. He wants to make sure I'm every day. I'm improving stuff. Or I'm yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. striving. Yeah, I, I always feel guilty on a Sunday when I'm sitting there thinking. I've to done a do, lot yeah. today. Yeah,
1: I mean that that's a common trait with entrepreneurs. I think. But, be allowing themselves to do nothing or to stop yeah, or to, to, to relax but but the, the skill set versus mindset I mean one of the things that I'm interested in on that is I remember um, Bill Gates saying um, I, I can't individually do what any of my team do but I'm like a, a conductor of an orchestra yeah. you know they're the best at playing that instrument or working that part they're the best at that uh, and I can't do any of what they do half as well as them. But I'm a great conductor that can bring that together into an amazing um symphony or, or whatever you want to call it but the, the other thing that it, it, it made me think about as, as you were talking there is this constant uh need for improvement and I think when I connect that to skill set versus mindset we do seem to live in the developed world not just the UK but the whole developed world in this belief that if I learn a skill set so I become an electrician I become a plumber I become a carpenter I uh, learn how to work in a bank. Uh, I get a degree at university. That that somehow is going to deliver us success. And what we do is we will we'll go to school and we'll do that, and then we'll spend three years at university or three or four years in an apprenticeship, only to find that just gets us a job. Uh, and then we're kind of knocking against just enough income uh, or spending all the income we do have, but not really ever scaling it. And I think to me, it's it's mindset that enables you to scale. Well beyond the the daily needs of finance, yeah. if you like. Well,
0: skills. I can I can bring the skills in I need. I'm, yeah, I'm useless yeah. accountant, but I, I can get a good accountant in to, to prop me up. I, I've got the mindset. I've got the one to drive that. Brilliant. But I can buy I can buy but, the skills.
1: But I I mean even that's a journey because I remember when we first met. Um, and you, you have always been a great communicator and you're funny and you engage people and you, you you come up with good stories that that kind of connect a point but I remember when you were first speaking at conferences and you had this belief that well what me i'm not, I'm not all that good, and yet you've spoken at conferences all around the world now uh, and that's a different skill set you had to learn but it 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 always inspired me and others I know because have told me that you were it weren't like you learned stuff and then kept it secret. You were always willing and wanting to kind of share. You can become a better retailer too. You can, you can do the things that I've done and whether that's at schools or, or um, in local business forums or, or, or things like the Chamber of Commerce or, or any of those things, you're always willing to share. Where does that desire to kind of help others or, or, or share that knowledge come from, do you think?
0: That probably comes from my other grandparents, my dad's side, because right. they were school teachers. So, oh, okay. so yeah, their yeah, yeah. entire life, my grandfather was headmaster and loved the community he lived in. My grandmother was the teacher that supported him. Um, actually, she comes from Thorny, just up the So they, they very much wanted to, to let other children have their skills. And I remember you know, my, my grandmother's funeral was absolutely at the age of 103, she filled the church. And a lot of those are former pupils right. who respected her, that she would passed on her knowledge, her immense knowledge. And I remember my grandmother saying to me at 103, every day is still a school day. She's still yeah, learning. Yeah. So I think it's important to try and inspire other people because some people inspire me. I go to yeah, conferences and yeah, yeah. think, God, oh, that was really interesting. That was somebody who was really good. And you yeah. take something back. To Absolutely. The, the you only time. need one nugget. Just take yeah, one yeah. nugget from those conferences and think, how can I apply that either to my daily life or how can I apply it to my business
1: and, and if, if, if if I was a new business or a business just thinking about scaling up about making that leap uh, have you got a top tip that you'd give me uh, if I, if I'm kind of not sure worried what would be what would be one of your top business tips that you'd give to people I've always and my team know that I've always had more
0: I've had a number of advisors now I'd have a key advisor and obviously there's times you've been that yeah, yeah. um, I've had a key advisor but, but I'll, I'll always go and take lots of different advice from various different people. So you, you always cherry pick. I'd always say, right, okay, what, what do you think? What do you think? What do you, and I'll always go with what I thought was the best one. Yeah, so yeah. so I'll always do that. I have a key, key advisor. The other thing, again, another thing you told me um, and at, at the start is never ever to to hold back on getting the best accountant and the best solicitor. So if you set up the system, yeah. so you've got a good foundation, you set up that system, so that, that that you're building on a really strong foundation. That, that really helps because the amount of people who will do something and get like a, yeah, yeah. a poor solicitor or a poor accountant,
1: the advice is bad. So mentors, advisors. Yeah. I mean... I- it's so obvious, I think, to, to people who have built success in business, and yet I see lots of people starting out and they still want to get a cheap accountant or a cheap lawyer. Mm, and to me, I say, don't go for cheap, go for value, because value can mean you're paying a lot of money, but if you're getting a lot of gain, it's still great value, uh, and it'll cost you more in the long term if, if you don't do that. Um, one of the other things is, obviously, you've built big business, you've had a lot of success along the way. Do you just keep building and building I know you're always building the business, but or do you take some off the table? Do you lock some in do you treat yourself the family? What what do you do to reward yourself along the way? Um, that's
0: a really good one. We're trying to get a, a decent olive We can somewhere nice where we can I can try and chill out I think mobile phones will always mean we can't fully switch off, but um, I'll try and I'll chill out um, My son's passions very much is a real petrol head Um, So he said uh, to get a couple of Aston Martins, um, (laughs) some really lovely ones, I've got to say, and very unique ones, which wonderfully, um, despite being um, a luxury item, have actually created value because they've,
1: because they're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're so rare they've gone up. I mean, I just, just on that, I know a lot, lot of people are, are aspiring and, and setting goals that when they hit a certain level, they'll do this. And just to put that in perspective, most people say, I'd like to have an Aston Martin one day. Not, not how many, two? I've got a couple. Yeah, a couple. couple. And they're not just ordinary Aston Martin. No. You've got a Spitfire Aston Martin no. and a Red yeah, Arrows Aston Martin, yeah. Yeah. which are both limited edition and that. One of and only eight, one of only 10. So and, again, that was... They're, but they're still good investments as well. They're still good investments. And, and, they're uh, very good investments and good funds. Yeah, I tell myself it's all investment. <laughs> no, no. So, so, so that's interesting. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was if you started over again, yeah. it all went wrong, and we've all had those kind of rocky roads yeah. where there's been challenges. If one of them had got to the point where it completely wiped out all of your wealth, and no, it probably wouldn't because of the way you've structured it, but what, what would you do differently if you had to do it differently? Oh, that's, a really, that's a really good question. Um,
0: I don't don't know if I do any, I often look back, so my biggest critic's me, um, probably seconded by my wife, she's quite good, (laughs) but uh, my biggest critic is is me and and I often beat myself up, I often think what would I do differently for that very reason, what if something came along and wiped it all out and we've all had some near goes, and I've had some near goes. where perhaps one instance I'm thinking immediately is where I had some advice from a solicitor right. and that poor advice if I'd gone for the better solicitor um, the, the, that was the poor advice that caused me a lot of problems right. a massive amount of problems um, so uh, what would I do to, I probably wouldn't do anything differently I'd probably listen a lot more to people um, one of the one of the checks and balances I have is, as I do tend to use pretty much always a high street bank um, yeah. who by their own sort of processes are, are quite risk averse. Because you it know, a good we, counter to yeah, your Because we like resources yeah. but and, and blinkered, and you know, you you are going for it, but every now and again somebody needs we'll pull it back on the range, yeah, and the banks are yeah. good at that. And if a bank won't invest in an idea I've got, then I sort of start to think, well, okay, but
1: why? You have a, you have a bit more detailed look at it. Yeah, that. let's yeah. have another look at it because if they're telling me no, there's a reason. And you you mentioned Rebecca there, and they, that my wife once said to me, um, uh, every man who thinks he's in charge has got a very clever wife kind of thing Uh, and I know Rebecca's been a real strength behind the James Graven business and behind you if I was to speak to Rebecca and say what's JJ's biggest strengths and his biggest weaknesses what would be the answer to that because we all have both you know I think she'd she'd agree that I'm a good talker
0: (laughs) but I think she'd also think that's probably my biggest weakness I'm a Uh, good talker uh, because she I think Rebecca thinks I sort of talk for a living um, well, you sort of do as You can pay for it. If we are going and get it, it's the one said behind every every uh, good man is a very surprised mother-in-law. Uh, that's sort of the same. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so a new business getting started. We've got a young... young uh, Guy or girl, and there may be twenty-two, loads of ideas, and they, and they want to get that business going. What would be your piece of advice to a, a new business starting out? Got this kind of seed of an idea. Yeah. How do they get it going? How do they get it off the ground? What what sort of advice? Gut
0: feel's a good thing, and that's got me through a lot. So gut feel. If you think you've got a good idea, you've got to believe in it fully, because you need to persuade other people to believe in your really good idea. So, if I was going through that again, trust, take, trust your gut. Trust your gut. Right? Yeah. Trust your gut feel. Go for advice because that gut feel for that one idea might spur other you know, There might be other ideas that come off it. Um, get advice, take soundings from people, and that, that doesn't matter who it is. I, my 103 year old grandmother in the early yeah, days, yeah, yeah. She, she was, you know, I'd ask her, what do you think? Because she got huge amounts of. of, of Life yeah. um, uh, experience. I'd, I'd ask, I'd ask for parents, I'd ask for grandparents, I'd ask for good mates, um, and just just take soundings. but what do you think? Do you think this is a good thing, or is this a good bit? And then often people would sort of say, "Well, it's a good idea, but do something." So you can tweak it early on yeah. before you've actually gone further down the road. Sort of road test it a bit. This is a good idea. Do you think this would work? Is it commercial? Is it if go to a bank? Is the bank and, going to support it?
1: I mean that talking, that listening—it's this kind of process by where, by which I guess you you kind of consolidate your own beliefs, your own thoughts, or you challenge them, but you get to a more considered position through that conversation. Yeah, before you chuck a money at it. Um, and I have seen you and I both uh, spent a long time on the board of the ACS. We both chaired that organisation. Retail's in in our blood, still yours, not so much mine these days, but. I still see the vast majority of small retailers still only have one store. Yeah. Um, what is it that that they you have that maybe they don't have that that makes that leap possible? Because they're great retailers. I mean, you and I have been together around some of these stores, and they're they're absolutely top class in uh, in the industry. They might be leading, but they never quite have that um, courage. Is it courage? What what is it that you think is different? Um, I think a lot of them like,
0: uh, it's a lifestyle business. So some of them might only have one shop, but then when you start digging, they've got a huge property business or they've got other stuff behind them. So the shop provides them with the lifestyle. Um, I think also a lot of of retailers, uh, particularly first generation retailers, would probably think, well, do my children really want to go into this? If I look at my own children, you know, growing up, I remember Emily, my daughter, uh, when, when the, they they said draw a picture of your family and there's there's Emily drew a picture of mum holding a horse and, and a, a baby brother in a pram and his dad on the phone. Um which weren't great. Um uh so you know that that's not ideal. The, the kids would be aware of, of yeah. in the shops or maybe an armed robbery or a or a, a break in or an alarm call at three in the morning. So do do I necessarily want my kids to go through that? My job in life, I feel, is to give my kids a better start than I had. Mm-hmm. I had a loving family, fantastic, um, but very hard-working dad who who was was often at work. was often on the farm. Yeah. So I wanted to give give them that. But would they necessarily? Wanna do the three o'clock alarm call, don't don't know. So I think a lot of retailers think, Well, I've got it, I've built up a wealth, I've got some property business, I'm not necessarily gonna encourage the children to come into one. Interestingly what we're seeing now at ACS is a lot of the children are coming in and they want multiple sites. They don't want to go in and run that right, shop. Right, right. They want two, three, four, five. They want a little wholesale business. You know, They're striving to already, before they start, to improve on it.
1: And do you think that comes out of a, a sort of culture whereby through social media, through Dragon's Den, through these kind of things that we see, that they're seeing people like Branson or whatever get in this scale and, uh, and, and we've got sort of programmes about millionaires and different things. Do, do you think it's that that is driving more awareness, therefore more desire to to not just settle or not not have a lifestyle because in fact lifestyle business is absolutely nothing wrong with it. In fact, someone who's got a lifestyle business has probably got more balance in life maybe than you and I have had at right so. many points through our life. And yet, as you say lifestyle business, it somehow sounds limiting or or, or unambitious? Do you know what I mean? And people do treat it like that. I think sometimes when they say, it. "Yeah, yeah. I think you're right." I think social
0: media has driven a lot of sort of people think, "Oh, this is the norm." You know, Facebook doesn't tell you the the, the nasty yeah. stuff that goes on in somebody's life. It's all smiles. Here I am in a pub. It doesn't tell you the six o'clock starts. Whatever. No, no, no. I think some of that. I'm slightly concerned by some of those business programs because I, I think you look at it and and it's you know, you're fired. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it makes business out to be ruthless. I think, in today's age, a positive about business is that people do business for people. And if you don't like the person you're doing business with, you don't do business with them. Yeah, yeah. So if you're dealing with somebody who's a bit of an ogre, who's, who's, a, who's a little bit nasty,
1: okay, well, I'll perhaps deal with you, but if that bloke's quite nice, I'd rather deal with him. Um, and well, I think- it's, it's interesting you say about the people, because I, I um, on one of the recent sessions I, I did on Success as System, I love the saying that Alex, who I was talking to, said, People say, are you b to b or b to c uh, And he said, no, I'm to p people to people kind mm. of thing. Because whether it's business or, or, or customer, it's still a person. And the brand should be p to p And I think that's sort of what you're... It's that's, uh, that's exactly the same thing. Sort of I, I like, do, In terms of having, having a connection yeah. and caring. Yeah, and I want to work with that person
0: because they, they care. They take an interest in me. They take an interest in my family, my business. You know, I, I, I want to do that and build great relationships and great networks accordingly.
1: And, and on that networking, um, I think networking has become an overused word and people do these networking breakfast and networking lunges and networking things. And I go along to some of them and people are in their own little huddles and don't really network. I know when you and I used to go to Institute of Grocery Distribution or to ACS events or to different events, we would catch up maybe for a drink, but then we would be out literally working that room and seeing it as a serious part of the business. What value do you, you attach your journey, you know, if I was taking in the, the uh, Steve Jobs thing of joining the dots backwards. What value do you take, give networking in your success if you were to look back over it? Uh, and Because and, to me, it's the people I've met that have taken me in different Absolutely. directions. Absolutely.
0: I'd go as far as saying 100%. Because it's that network that's done it. I remember my grandfather saying to me once, you learn more in a pub than you will in an office. Mm. And that was really, really good advice because you will. You know, you get people, sometimes somebody's had a couple of drinks, they'd perhaps tell you stuff they wouldn't tell you if they hadn't had a couple of drinks. And you learn something from that. Um, But... But it's it's the place people relax, it's the place people tell you stuff, it, it, you might introduce you to a friend who something, something, and all these things, And association convenience store, it's been huge to me, absolutely mm. massive, because the things it introduced me to, I can pretty much trace it all back to, oh, I met him at ACS, or I was given that advice at ACS, it's been massive to me.
1: But I, I, I'm aware that just over conversations we've had in the past as well, though, that That's a professional network, if you like, uh, where we learn, support each other in the retail industry. But just, I mean, if you could just sort of go through, because you've also, I think, been a counsellor been um involved with rotary or just go through some of the different things that you've done that has been in effect voluntary therefore you could say I'm not getting any money for it but it's built your network your brand your 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 knowledge uh, and your and your community of people to go to what sort of things would you recommend to somebody to where to network or how to connect
0: so other business groups. So I, I was the co-chair of um, Ely Cathedral Business Group, and then we, we'd meet every uh, fourth Monday. And that would be just to get lots of business people together. And, and Because I think actually, if you're not careful, you can very much concentrate, oh, let's go to the next, let's go to another shop and go and have a look at that shop. So ACS is was, was, was a voluntary role. Um, but and that's taught, that's given me that that network. That's given me advice to people who come in, the suppliers, et cetera, That sort of things. But if you're not careful, you just go to another shop. But can I actually learn other skills in the hospitality industry that we can we can learn yeah. as well and bring that into in the convenience? Are there, if I go and work with a load of accountants? Are there, there an accountancy procedures that I could bring in? So I think it's important. I did I did a whole load of work with. Um, uh, through a, a mutual friend of ours who did a whole load of work with the travel industry because the travel industry had got all sorts of problems <coughs> with the internet, no different to what we had, you know, online grocery shopping. Uh, so how do I, as a convenience operator, compete with that, people being delivered it? Um, and the tourists... The tourist people had exactly the same problem. People yeah, were going into, yeah. into travel agents, taking the book, speaking to the, 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 the expert travel agent and going home and booking it cheaper on the internet. Yeah. So when we're not, we went in, talk, I, when I remember talking to a massive conference, about a 1,000 people over in Tenerife, and talking to them about impulse purchases, and they're looking at me. Okay, to, to us, that means a Mars bar and a, and a bottle of Coke. But what was an impulse purchase to a travel agent? Yeah. Well, that might be gone in there, but there's a weekend break being advertised. Or, or, or an upgrade. Or, 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 or an upgrade, how could that be done? So that I did work, That a lot of that was voluntary that I did, did with those, uh, those guys. I was a school governor. Um, that I did that uh, purposely because I wanted to pay back the school that taught me so much. Um, a spin-off from that was it also taught me about governance and yeah, procedures yeah. and disciplines you're right I was a parish councilor up a wonderful uh, village called Dursingham in Norfolk where I had the the, the, uh, the big supermarket in that village um, and that gave me an insight into the community so working with people and and about planning yeah. for example if we've we, been we talking about planning that was going through or or things in the community so again I got I got a, a, quite a big benefit from that one as well.
1: And I think an important part of all that, I mean, a couple of things spring to mind as you're saying it is that Churchill said, We make a, a living by what we get. Uh, no, we make a living by what we do, i.e., the job, but we make a life by what we give. And I think in that giving, whether it's a councillor, a governor, uh, and so on, actually some of the spin offs, and you talked in effect about looking at your business from a different perspective because you've seen it through the eyes of someone else's business and maybe picked up an idea that is transferable across to it. Um, So I think for a lot of people who I see in business who think every hour has got to pay back, it also then brought me through to a session I had recently with somebody who was saying that his business, when he was trying to make it fully commercial and all about the margin he couldn't grow it but when he then transferred and made it all about doing an amazing job for the customer and focusing on his product his delivery his service the business just grew naturally so uh, i think sometimes people to say try too hard suggest that they shouldn't work as hard i think work is an work ethic is an important thing but they're they're, they're trying at what they believe is most important which is bot- bottom line profit but i think even though you, you're not in business until you make profit, really, because sales is vanity, profit is sanity, as they say. But actually, if profit is your your complete driver, you forget the product. And then the quality might drop because you're, you're culling the people Absolutely. or getting worse people or using cheaper uh, materials and so on. So, um, So your business is retail, land, property, advisory, community uh very varied what's next for for james graven group have you got so that on of un, uh unexploited ambitions that yet that um that you you're you're now moving into or onto
0: i want to get more into the property bit um so um, commercial or resi resi probably resi i want to I want to explore that uh, yeah. a bit more I'm, I'm working with some some people on that now um wonderfully uh, my son josh he's he's looking at entering the, the retail world I'm um, currently working for a, a convenience uh, retailer um, uh, and he, hopefully he's going to come in and then that's where dad can step forward and put put my arm around yeah. him and sort of uh, steer him and give him some and advice. And then i will start teaching you. If you think. It, well, I think Steve Jobs said that, that don't employ yeah. uh, good people and tell them what to do. Get, employ good people and tell them yeah. tell you I what I think to he do. said.
1: Get the f out of the way. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, probably,
0: probably, <laughs> probably, but I think we've we uh, that, that's quite that's really exciting because I, I was long to do that with my, with my dad in in going into farming. I love the farming. Um, but unfortunately, farming was was a was a tough one. Um, yeah. So hence I've still got the hundred acre. The farm, just to keep my hand in, um, <laughs> just but, to drive, the just to drive the tractors, really. <laughs> um, but I do love that bit. But no, so Josh is is looking to come into the business. Him and Emily um, yeah. both went away and did business degrees. In fact, tomorrow we go down to to LSE. Emily graduates from a masters down there. Uh, Josh has decided once he's done his business degree, which he did at the Royal Agricultural College at, mm-hmm. uh, at Siren Sister. um he wanted to come, come back home and see what we can work together. So I'm really looking forward to that, working
1: with the okay. son be wonderful. So do, do you ever, I mean, I, I remember... Um, and and you you 're around at the time, uh, sort of selling all the business up uh, that, that we would built with Tom at the time, uh, and then retiring in two thousand and twelve at the age of forty six and then realizing about six months later what a terrible thing that was because it was as my, it was like one of my arms was family, the other arm was business, and i can 't exist without without both of them easily or i 'd be missing something if if I did so sort of jumped back in into business but um, for, for me I look at you and I see you've still got the same spark that, that you had when we first met over 20 years ago still that same passion for business so if you were to say to somebody find a business um, that that is this that or the other what what would be the key thing is it passion is it is it um, exclusivity what, what, what's the kind of things to look for when someone's look hasn't got an idea maybe that they, they like we talked about the entrepreneur with an idea how do they get going if someone wants to be in business but doesn't know what to do doesn't know where to go or like often I was talking to one of my daughters the other day she's got one year left of uni she still hasn't really decided what she wants to do yet but what would be your advice to that person if you can
0: make your business something you're passionate about so so i absolutely love retail but one of the things I'm also passionate about is the community that I live in and to try and better that community in some way that I can yeah. pay back. I'm heavily involved in the, the local football club, Time Town Rangers um, and what we're doing with the Town Town Rangers is that we're looking at, at using the football, the passion of football <coughs> that people have got and just to try and use perhaps the club facilities or the grounds um, to, 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 to pay back to the community. So hopefully Hopefully, they'll then come yeah. and follow the team because the community, we've done something for them. And it's the same with, with, within the store. So my passion was driven, going back to the, the point you were talking about, if you get that bit right, the rest follows. I was passionate about supporting the community that supported me. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in that community. You know, I, I relied on that community to give me a livelihood. Why should I not pay that community back in some way? And it might be only, we did the thing, for example, we did our community chest. We give a thousand pounds, uh, to various charities within within that community. Yeah, yeah. I didn't award it. I got a customer panel to award it. And that for so us. So they
1: helped choose. Yeah, right? they, yeah, they
0: helped choose. I was one step back um, purposely because then the brownies couldn't say, well, you give it to the guides. <laughs> um, it, it, it was, I was one step back, let the panel do it. But the, the panel, it was my way of saying to the panel, thank you very much for the work you're doing for us. Now give it back to the community. So I, I, I'm passionate about. Sort of bringing communities together I think one of the things social media which is the most wacky thing is the most un- unsocial thing you can do uh, how, can, how can you call it social when you're just sat in a room on your own posting <laughs> something on Facebook you want to be out with people and talking to people um, but one of the things that it, it has done is it, 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 it sort of built an online community but it's not built a real community yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure you're the same as me. You've got friends on Facebook, but you know, they walk past in the street, and don't even look at yeah, you. Yeah, you couldn't ring him and say, "Get, say, no. give us a
1: fiver." You, no, you wouldn't hear so, back from half of them yeah,
0: or more than you've you've gone unfriended. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think we need to we need to bring communities back. If there was a positive from the COVID, I think that's one thing we did see: particularly in reconnecting, retail. Yeah. people reconnecting, people shopping, taking stuff around. So
1: we covered a lot of principles in terms of I think you, you obviously started early with your pens and then in the banks and in the fruit and veg, um, and clearly you've talked about follow a passion, don't be afraid to make mistakes, uh, employ great people and and let them do what what they do. Uh, connect with the community and and don't be afraid to go to different places to see your business from a different perspective or see what you can learn from what what might be perceived as disconnected businesses yeah. if you like and then as you get that success enjoy the journey you know do some things that are just maybe um, not good commercial. But if there's a commercial, like the cars, if there is a commercial ad, uh, ad addition, that's a, a bonus. Um, and then giving back, giving back, giving back. I mean, that's clearly... P- Have I missed anything? Is there any other sort of principles of Jonathan James that you would that you would want to impart as part of your legacy to the world or legacy to other people? Um, play with a straight back.
0: There's no softer pillows than a clear conscience. So yeah. play with a straight back in business because if you don't, you get caught out at some point. Um, but I also I also like to, to relate business to one of my my great passions. I was growing up with snooker. I think businesses like snooker. I think you pot the red balls. That's your day job. Keep potting the red balls, but keep an eye on the colours. Yeah. Um, because at some point, you know, you're gonna you you want to pot that black ball because what is that black ball? Where can it be? And then can you can you start a new frame for somebody else? Like yeah. children coming in. Um,
1: you, can't, you can't win the game without without no. moving on to those no. levels and yeah. I think that's the thing but
0: play with a straight back I think that's that's a key thing because I'd like i like to think I remember father and me saying when I first started in business one was when I when I borrowed a million pounds and my, my dad who had panic attacks when his overdraft got to ten that was back it was, when a million was a lot of money yeah. exactly <laughs> and that was a long while and he said well oh, you borrowed how much I said no I actually said to him dad I've been to the bank today and asked him for a million pounds and he right I said what's really funny is that." Lend him it and whoa, but I I remember him also saying to me, Don't ever let me catch you going down Ely High Street having to hide in doorways to get out of people's way. He's don't ever let that happen, and he was right because you know, I don't ever want to do it. There'll be people you have perhaps have a tough deal with, um. But you should never have a deal where you burn bridges. No, and I know
1: fine. that you're, you're, as you've talked about today, the community is so important to you. You have to move because you've screwed people no, or that. That's, 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 no that's, no that's utterly pointless. And it, it does. Well, bite I like it that. Sometimes. Play the straight back, no softer pillow than a clear conscience. So I yeah. uh, appreciate your time, as always, mate. As always, pleasure. Mate, good to see you. Uh, thank you for spending some time with us on Success is a System. If you've enjoyed that, if you've got some lessons from it, uh, do share it, do subscribe, do like, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.